Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in. Solo episode today. I thought on the heels of my very long conversation with Dr. James Lindsay, I'll at least provide you a short leadership lesson along the lines of how to have a difficult conversation or what are some of the fundamentals of having good conversations. You know, as I stated in my last episode with one with Dr. Lindsay, I want to pivot and start having some more real, frank, authentic conversations. Not that I wasn't having them before. But again, it's, I just want to go a little deeper, unpeel a little more layers, if you will, uh, to deal with the uh, realistic situation we're dealing with in the world. Because I think a lot of the things that I talked about before, i.e. how to succeed in business, how do you pull yourself out of the mud, all important, how to overcome limiting beliefs, all that stuff is still there. And we'll certainly organically tackle those topics through these conversations and through these lessons, these lessons here. But I think it's critical that we learn how to talk with each other, and have real conversations. Again, I told you about on my sabbatical, if you listen to the Dr. Lindsay episode, that I was really struggling about where to, to take the show and what to do. And, and again, it, it does go, well, the clarity I received is um, how to have more authentic, good conversations. And that's what this show is. It is recorded conversations. It's one of the reasons why Dose of Leadership has been so successful. When I started this seven and a half years ago, um, I was thinking in interview style. I didn't understand really what I was happening. And, and when I started seeing success in Dose of Leadership, is, it was because I was having good conversations. And talking with Dr. James Lindsay, he wrote a book, How to Have Impossible Conversations, I co-authored a book. And uh, so reading this, and then also I was reading John Maxwell's Everyone Communicates, Few Connect, and got inspired on a couple of things I wanted to share with you. What I've been reminding myself and I wanted to share that with you because I'm on a journey as well and reminding myself how to have good conversations. And I want to share with you some of those fundamentals today. And again, you can, I highly recommend you can always get everyone communicates if you connect and, and find Dr. Lindsay's book, How to Have Impossible Conversations. And you'll see a lot of this material that I'm going to share with you in there as well. But I thought it was important. And this is the first of many conversations or short lessons. Laying the foundations, like what are some of those fundamentals of good conversations? And I, 
reflected on why and getting the feedback from some of the great guests I've had on my show who told me why they enjoyed coming on Dozer Leadership is because we've had good conversations. And I really started to examine why is that the case, and I certainly want to improve that as we go forward. But let's just go through some of these fundamentals that I think, and again, just something for you to take over and start your own kind of analysis on how can I have these great conversations with your spouse, with your kids, with those that disagree with you, because I think that's where we're going to have to go, is at some point we're going to have to start having conversations with people we disagree with. And that's what we're going to try to do here on this show. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm committed to get better at it. And so here are some of the fundamentals, some of the takeaways I've got after kind of um, reflecting and marinating on this topic over the last three weeks. And first and foremost, I think when you enter these conversations, any conversations, particularly one with, it's a difficult one, or it's, it seems impossible to have this conversation, or you know you want to go into this solving something. I think it's important important to understand that we need to engage in civil and effective conversation. It take, and that's a skill. And it's something that nobody seems to be doing very well. It takes knowledge. It takes practice. you got to have some fundamentals. And I think a, a tremendous fundamental or one that's very important, the foundation, is you got to understand, why am I even having this conversation? What is the goal? What is the purpose? And we enter into conversations for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, we would hope to have a mutual understanding. We seek to understand each other, to learn from each other. Finding truth, I mean, that's a reason to do it. You know, we're intervening on someone's behalf or maybe we want to impress somebody. We're trying to woo somebody over or sell something to somebody. And sometimes, though, we're forced into having conversations, right? Someone's trying to force us to speak with them. We're getting coerced. I mean, those are reasons that we have these conversations. But first and foremost, I think it's it's... It goes back to a leadership fundamental is why are we doing what we're doing is, is always ask why. That's a fundamental that I've taught on this show for seven and a half years. It's something that's come up time and time again is the power of why. Why are we doing this? And it's no difference when we want to have these difficult conversations. Why are we having this conversation? And I think that's important because it'll eliminate or at least it'll, it'll allow you sometimes if you're going into this for reasons of your own ego or for trying to prove somebody wrong. I think that's the time to pull back a little bit. I mean, you can have more than one goal in a conversation or no particular goal at all, or your goals can change as, as you're having the conversation, right? That's all good. But the importance is you got to have clarity to yourself about why we're beginning this conversation. Ask yourself, are you more interested in finding the truth or helping someone reconsider what they believe. Maybe it's both of those, but it's important that you understand why, because if you're leaning more heavily toward one or the other, you're going to you're going to be that much better at listening and empathizing, which we'll talk about here more in a minute, about why you're going into this. And once you know your goal, then your techniques and your conversations will help you achieve them, right? So it makes sense. It's common sense, right? I don't know why... It seems so important, but I, I know I go into conversation a lot not even fully knowing why I'm having it. And I think the more that you can be intentional, and remember we talk about that a lot on Dose of Leadership, is the intentionality behind everything that you do. And the first one, if you're going to have a difficult conversation or an authentic, honest one, is why am I having this in the first place and having that clarity. The second thing, or fundamental, is you need to go into this con- this conversation uh, and look at it as a partnership, something that I have failed at miserably many times. Leadership is all about influence, and I go into these conversations, and I want 
people to change their minds, which is a mistake, I think. But, you know, whatever the case may be, I want to go into, I want to change your mind. I want to influence you. I want to build a relationship. I want to continue our friendship. I want to learn more. Whatever the case may be, when you go into this, look at it with the mindset of being a partner. The whole idea, even with someone that you fundamentally disagree with, uh, that you maybe even consider an adversary, it's best to have this mindset. I mean, a 100% surefire way that you're going to entrench people and not change their mind is to not look at it as a partnership, is to go at it as an adversarial relationship or a threatening relationship. And I know this is challenging because if you got somebody who's a total jackass, you just do not like if they're mean, if they don't treat you well, they don't listen to you, they disrespect you. We've all had those situations. All the more important how you got to view your conversation or that person on the other side of that, no matter how they are, as a, a partner. In other words, treat others as if you're working together to have a fruitful, fruitful conversation. That is easier said than done. My God, particularly if you're in a very difficult adversarial conversation. But seeing that as a partnership is a great first step to making sure that these conversations at least stay on a civil and authentic front and at least that you're going into it trying to build relationships instead of trying to damage it. So get away from, when you're going into this, you stated a purpose, you know why. you got to throw away all that adversarial kind of thinking of conflict, of arguing, of debating, of making them feel less than. Going into it with the idea that you're going to win. As competitive as I am and wanting to win and make sure everybody sees my way, you've got to pull back and get away from adversarial thinking and go into collaborative thinking, right? Partnership, listening, learning. You don't want to be a person who's saying, this is my opponent who needs to understand me and instead go into, hey, this this person, this guy or this gal is my partner. I can certainly learn something from him or her, including learning why do they believe exactly what they believe. If you're going into impossible conversations is recognizing that discussions are, it's, it's a natural thing for both people, right? If you treat the other person as a partner in a civil dialogue, it doesn't mean you're accepting their conclusions or buying into their ideology. That doesn't mean that, okay? I think that's that's the the difference here that nobody seems to be doing. If you're sitting and being civil with someone, doesn't mean that you're bought into their beliefs. However, you are open to at least trying to empathize and understand their reasoning and seeing it from their perspective. And remember what we've said on here, that is, to me, I think that is the um, kind of keystone to great leadership is the emotional intelligence, the, the emotional quotient piece, the understanding of trying to see their perspective. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing. It's about mutual understanding. The worst that can happen with you is that you're just in having to listen to somebody who's totally got a warped mind and, and repugnant. But by and large, that's going to be few and far between, right? More than likely, you're going to at least foster some sort of better position for yourself to understand and build relationships. And you may even revise your own thinking, which you shouldn't be afraid of. And so it's important to understand, though, that looking at it as a partnership, you can't control somebody else's behavior. All you can do is control yourself. So you have to be the one, and there's nothing wrong with this, and 
throw away your pride, you have to be the one who's initially attempting to understand their reasoning. You know, don't get bent out of shape because they're not doing the same, right? So that's the second thing, being a partner. The third thing is, is all about connectivity. And uh, something I've certainly got to work on, particularly if I'm going into adversarial conversations, you know, how do you start it? And, um, you know, when I do these conversations on Dose of Leadership, you know, sometimes I'm talking to a guest 5, 10, sometimes 20 minutes before the recording starts. And I think it's important to build that rapport early on. And uh, sometimes it's only two minutes, but sometimes it's 20. And sometimes I don't want to get too far down the path because sometimes they start, they start saying some really fabulous things in the, in the, what I call the rapport building sessions. But it's all about trust, right? And comfort and finding common ground. I mean, we all know, we know the benefits of building a rapport, right? It's, it's a, it's a friendliness. And once you've built rapport and the onset of a conversation, the rest becomes that much more easier, right? You can, you, you break down a lot of barriers. I've had many a guest that's come on the show and they were very anxious uh, before start recording. And then after it was done, they were like, oh my God, I felt like I was talking to an old friend or my brother, or you're like one of the most comfortable guys to talk to. And I know a lot of it had to do with that building rapport in the beginning before I hit record. And how do you do it? How I do it is I just ask sincere questions, you know, questions that I want to know the answers to just genuinely. How do you turn on the curiosity gene? I don't know. I'm just insatiably curious. And I, and somehow you got to tap into that for yourself. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how I do it to myself, but I genuinely just want to know certain things about people. And even before I start recording and whatever we're going to talk about dose of leadership, I want to know you know, where they're at, where do they, what, what hometown are they from? How do they got there? I mean, little things, you know, I find the, that rapport and I try to do it immediately, right? I don't start any conversation of any substantive issue until I have at least some sort of rapport. It can seem intimidating and overwhelming. You find yourself in a networking event. It's such a nightmare, right? I hate networking events. It's so, it riddles me full of anxiety. I've got, certainly gotten better at it now after doing dose of leadership. But where I found the anxiety was coming from, because I was so worried what someone was going to think about me, or I was going to come across looking like a fool or a jackass or something when I was talking to them. But it's the icebreakers. And certainly I start with the initial conversation, like, hey, how did you, what's your name? How did you find out about this place? And initially what happens is they start talking. And in that answer, I say, wow, you know, tell me a little more about that. I ask open-ended questions, who, what, where, and why, you know, well, why, what got you interested in that? You know, oh, really? What, what made you decide to move here? The, the who, what, where, why's, and just kind of be quiet and listen to them. And people love to talk about themselves, particularly in those nerve wracking situations, right? Where'd you learn that? What made you decide to go down that path? Oh, that's very interesting. Tell me more about that. You know, find that common ground. There's countless, numerous things you can find common ground on. It's just having that ability to ask those who, what, where, why questions, those open-ended questions, you start to reveal a lot of things. And that's building that rapport. Don't do, however, that what they call that parallel talk where I say, hey, you know, I moved here from Hawaii and then just insert yourself. Oh my God, I was just in Hawaii, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, this or that. Or avoid like the plague trying to talk about yourself. It's amazing. And I found that the more sometimes I just, I just ask questions. I didn't even reveal anything about myself and people felt like they knew a lot, a lot about me, <laughs> which is, it's just psychologically, it's kind of funny. I've seen, I've had many, many times and he's like, oh, you're, you, you're so easy to talk to. Well, it's because I was just asking those questions, the who, what, why, and where. And invest in the relationship, particularly if you find somebody who disagrees with you, right? Um, that's where I, I see a lot of standoffish. I try to build that rapport. In particular, with someone who's completely politically or sees the world completely different than I do, be insatiably curious and learn more about them. It's the whole adage, 
I think Maxwell said, no one really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and that's really your goal. It's not rushing it, right? You got to take your time and be ready to engage in someone else's ideas and someone else's life and just not worry about yours, right? And even when they ask about you, keep it brief and try to turn it back on them. Certainly a great way to build that rapport. So, and then being polite, right? Saying please and thank you. I appreciate taking the time, all that kind of stuff. Uh, people remember that stuff. So we talked about the three things. You know, why are you having the conversation? Look at it as a partnership. Don't be an adversarial. It's all about rapport. And the fourth thing is about talking less and listening more, kind of segueing what I was just talking about. Man, biggest lesson I've learned on doing this show, when I listen to the early episodes of Dose of Leadership, and I have a tendency to run my mouth and talk, and I love to talk. And, and when I get in arguments here at home with the family, when we've had difficult conversations, man, I'm always trying to talk, blah, 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 blah. I've really, over the last eight, nine years, I've tried to make it a point to just listen. Early on in the marriage, I remember when uh, we almost got divorced uh, 12, 13 years ago. And I remember when we were going through counseling, and, and men are bad at this. Your spouse, your wife comes home and tells you, you know, unloads on how the day was or what this has happened. And I would immediately try to go into problem-solving mode because that was just the way I was wired, I guess, or I looked at the world. I felt like that was my job to solve the problem. And man, things really started to turn around when I just like sat there and listened and not try to solve any problem. And I do this with my kids too. I, I just try to listen and I'm like, you know, and then start asking the open-ended questions. Wow. And try to show that I'm, that I'm empathetic to what's, what's going on. And nine times out of 10, that's all that this person wanted to do. They wanted somebody to listen to what they're saying and, and kind of acknowledge you know, how crappy their day was or how screwed up this individual they had to deal with was or whatever. And so some of the suggestions to improve that listening skills is, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, the go, no, you go thing. It's kind of like when you open up a door or you walk through the door at the same time um, and you're like, oh, and you hold the door open and they say, and they go, you go, go ahead. And they're like, they go, no, you go. And then you insist. And I think this is the same in conversation. No, 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 really go ahead. And just, and it's the same thing with conversations. If you start at the same time, you interrupt, you know, say, hey, go ahead. And then if they say, no, you go, say, no, 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 that's okay, really, you go. Huge mileage on that technique. It, it's so huge. It's such a simple thing, but it really reinforces that you're listening to this individual. I think you make sure it's your body language, that you're facing them, is important. Uh, make sure you're looking them in the eye. And I, again, I, I, my kids swear I have ADHD and I probably do. And, um, that's why I love audio because in video I get distracted easy. You know, looking at someone's tie or someone's behind them. I think it's very important that if you find yourself distracted or drifting off, you don't have, don't, don't, you know, look them straight in the eye and just say, Hey, look, can you, um, repeat that? I'm sorry. And, you know, and, and don't be embarrassed that you got distracted. Just look them in the eye and say, please, can you, can you elaborate on that? Certainly don't look at your phone anymore. That's something I see a lot of people doing. Nothing drives me crazier than I'm sitting there having a conversation and they, their phone goes off and they pick it up and they look at it. Uh, I think that's just disastrous. If you're sitting down with them at a table, make sure your phone is not on the table. I make that a point to put it in my pocket, put it away, or even turn it off. Uh, make sure that you're listening. If somebody is searching for a word and you know it, unless they're you know looking for help and having trouble, uh, don't add in those sentences. You know, don't jump in to speak before you let them fully process and fully heard what they're saying. 
And if at any point it becomes tense, just listen more, talk less. There's a, there's a tendency to fill in that uncomfortable silences by talking more, but I just wait, particularly if it's getting tense. It's very difficult to have a, a, an adversarial conversation uh, if you're really tuned into listening. And again, that going back to those pauses, don't be in a rush to fill them. We get so uncomfortable with those silences. But a great pause can build rapport. A great pause can build trust, particularly if you're making eye contact and you're just looking at them and you're kind of listening and you're processing. Again, we tend to be uncomfortable with those silences. But again, don't look at that as a problem. Look at the pause as an opportunity. It's, a, it's an opportunity to reflect and it's an opportunity to build trust. It's very powerful, as uncomfortable that is. And again, if, if you find yourself not understanding at a pause point, say, hey, I'm not sure I understand. Can you explain that? Avoid saying that was unclear or that doesn't make any sense. Or and don't say you're unclear. Just start it off with, I'm not sure I understand, right? Help me understand that. Can you explain it? Um, little things, right? See how subtle that is? I mean, instead of saying you are unclear, that doesn't make any sense. Say, I'm not sure I understand. Can you explain it? And any time that you kind of find yourself, and this will happen, particularly in adversarial or, or difficult conversations where the fear, the frustration starts to rear its ugly head, one of the best things you can do is just listen, but also acknowledge them, right? Repeat specific things that they're saying. Man, I hear what you're saying. I understand your frustration. I can see how that would be frustrating. Those acknowledgement things are very powerful. And again, if you find yourself speaking at the same time and, and say they don't stop and they continue to talk while you remain silent and listen, when you resume that conversation, don't use that as an opportunity to make that a power play. That's the fourth one. You know, talk less, listen more. The fifth thing is, is don't worry about or don't get wrapped around the axle about your truth. And nobody likes to be lectured to is basically what this is about. And we go in there and we've got these messages and we're so interested that people understand us and, 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 and we think that an authentic conversation is about us delivering a message. And so the problem is nobody likes to be lectured. So more than likely they're going to reject, they're going to re reject that kind of mode of delivery, even if your message is sound, right? Um, I know I don't like to be lectured to. Uh, nobody does. It, messages kind of are one-way transactions, right? Messages and messengers are all about their beliefs, and they assume that an audience is going to listen and ultimately embrace their conclusions. I know I've embraced that mindset many times. It's something I've had to debunk or, or fix. we got to understand that delivering messages, it just doesn't work. Understand, and going back to what we talked about, that we're here about having an authentic conversation. We're not delivering a message. Don't if, So if it feels like you're teaching, whereas a conversation is give and take, right? And both of us in an, ide an ideal conversation or authentic conversations, the ultimate reward is learning. So if you find yourself thinking, man, if they only understood my point and they saw my way of life, things would be better, then, okay, you're trying to deliver a message. And so ask yourself, was I invited to share this or am I just telling them? And if it's the latter, then you're probably coming across as a messenger. So again, approach every conversation with an awareness that your partner understands problems in a way that you probably don't comprehend. So you'll be less likely to deliver messages if you're more focused on figuring out how someone knows what they know than if you presume to understand the reasoning behind someone's conclusions, right? It goes back to the partnership and we don't want to be in a debate, right? We want to be in a conversation. And so when you realize 
and more, more than likely what's going to happen if you find yourself both trying to deliver messages and you find yourself on the receiving end of being uh, a, a receiver of a message, this is going to happen a lot. Don't shoot the messenger, basically, what they're saying. If you shoot the, your messenger, you de- destroy the rapport. And so if you're going to shoot messengers, make sure it's self-inflicted. Take aim at your own messenger. Right? If, you, if your partner enters into that messenger mode, which is going to happen a lot, then just start listening and get in that listening and learning mode right? and start asking questions. Open-ended questions are a g- great way to nudge conversations back on track. And so on track. And so I think that that is, is key and, and only deliver a message unless somebody explicitly asks for it. Right. And, and be short, sweet and succinct about it. Right. So that's five. Don't don't worry about your truth. In other words, don't get wrapped around being a messenger. Sixth thing, we've got a couple more here is perceived intentions. You've heard me talk about a lot on Dose of Leadership about how, you know, perception is reality. And I think a lot of times we go into conversations kind of assuming somebody's bad or their intentions are bad. And I think that more than likely has to do with the unfortunate truth of perception as reality. I don't think anybody goes into a belief system or their intentions or motivations are inherently bad. I think if you assume that your conversation partner has malicious intentions, that's going to stifle your conversation. Now, it's going to be difficult when you're dealing with somebody who has a repugnant view of life, right? Or a belief system that is just not in line and you, and you know inherently is wrong and that this is where it gets challenging. But you, again, the power of the EQ, the emotional quotient is, is trying to understand why would they believe that? Where are they coming from, right? It's very damaging to a conversation to go into it negatively assuming uh, about your partner's intentions, because that's going to make you less capable of listening. If you go into it with this kind of preconceived notion, which is very difficult to do, not to do anyway, I, at least it is for me, if you go into it, you're going to be less capable of listening. And that's where, why it should be a wake-up call to you. And if you're going to make any assumption about their intention, the, uh, make it only one, and that's that's this, that their intentions are better than you think, Right? Even if you just you're going to this and you think this person is so so jacked up, go into it thinking that their intentions are better than you think. Again, this is a mindset of that. I don't think people knowingly desire bad things. Just go into it assuming that they got good intentions, right? And if your partner assumes you have bad intentions, don't try to convince them otherwise. That's an, a big thing, and I think that's very critical when we have these difficult conversations. Don't assume, or don't waste your trying time to convince them otherwise you find yourself assuming that this person I'm talking with has bad intentions, then become more curious. Switch on that curious gene or that switch. And just for a moment, tell yourself, maybe they know something that I don't know. You know, and don't say, man, you're you're screwed up in your thinking. Say, man, I'm having a hard time understanding where you're coming from. I, I assume you must know some more things than I don't. So could you tell me more about where you're coming from? Because I just, I can't, so I can understand better. Admit that you're frustrated. That's huge. It's very powerful. Say, look, I'm feeling frustrated here. I want to understand where you're coming from. That is a huge game changer. I've used that a few times to to, to stop some um, challenging conversations. Could you tell me what your intention is, your intent? What, what are you trying to accomplish here? That's an open-ended question that stops people in their tracks. It's very powerful. 
And they go, what do you mean? What's my intention? I said, well, what do you, what do you hope, what are you hoping to gain from this? You see, that's a question that most people don't, aren't prepared to answer. And it's very powerful. You know, what, what are you trying to do? What, what do you like to get out of this? And it silences the messenger, I think, more times than not, if someone's giving you the message. What are you trying to accomplish? And uh, it's frustrating. Again, don't feed, if you do find you're somebody who's like an internet troll who's trying to be malicious, you know, don't feed them. Uh, just, just get out of that conversation. You never have to be bullied into having a conversation. Have the conversation if you want to. So that's a whole other thing that we could spend hours talking about. And that kind of leads to the last kind of fundamental is no one to walk away. The bottom line is sometimes at some point we have to end a conversation and if it finds it, you know, kind of spiraling out of control and you, you're going to know more than likely when that happens and people shut down and this and that, um, no one to walk away, even if the conversation is going well, you know. And, and so if you put pressure on somebody and, and their comfort level starts to shut down and there's, there starts to be defensiveness and turns the conversation to a frustrated one, you know, back and forth, everybody trying to one up each other, you've got to, you've got to walk away. And if you've exhausted your options and you've tried, you've got nothing left, left to say is, is you don't feel like you have to fix it. You're at an impasse. It's just time to walk away. Part amicably, right? A common mistake is you try to f attempt to fix or reset the conversation to start over. Don't even mess with it. You know, sometimes we need that time to wrestle with the new information or, you know, the challenging things, the different perspectives, rethinking positions, and we all have to do that. So you know, remember, changing one's minds, it happens slowly, and, and and we have to be prepared to walk away and let let the conversation marinate and to come marinate so we can come back at a better time when everybody's more better prepared. So that's really the last thing. So how do you end it? If you're primarily finding yourself frustrations and and see yourself getting anger and then everybody's getting angry, just you know, take a breath. Literally just breathe and, and take a pause and and then walk away. And if someone else wants to end it on you, politely thank them for speaking with you. Don't engage them past a comfort zone. Don't chase after them. Don't try to force them. Um, don't let your ego and your pride force it and make it even worse. Um, if you find that you your conversation has triggered, and this is important as we had difficult conversations, that it triggered some sort of aha moment for them or begin to doubt their own beliefs, that's a good time to stop. Let them explore the doubt. Um, I think that's, that can be a very painful and, and unique time, particularly if it happens to yourself. And don't be afraid to call call it off and say, hey, I appreciate you this. I'd like to stop the conversation uh, because it, it's, this isn't about victory. It's about growth, right? And then make sure you thank them no matter what happens. Thank them for having the conversations and just be authentic and honest. So, well, that went a little longer than I, I but I think it was important to go over some of those um fundamentals of having difficult conversations you know, again just to summarize you know why are you having the conversation be a partner not an adversary focus on rapport and connection talk less listen more don't worry about your truth right don't be a messenger and remember going to about perceived intentions that most people i think for the most part they don't go into wanting to be bad they think what they they're doing is good and so that helps helps it to kind of to, to take the edge off the conversation and then no one to walk away. I hope you got some value out of this conversation. Again, this is just something that I thought you could 
again in the same vein with the pivot of where I'm trying to take social leadership and it's trying to bring more guests on here to have these kind of difficult conversations and more open and authentic conversations. Let me know what you think. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can reach out to me on the contact form. Let me know what you think about this episode. You can reach out directly, Richard at doseofleadership.com. I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell a family member, tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth is what keeps the show growing. I continue to be in the top 20 of business management podcasts on iTunes, and it's all because of your support. So thank you for that. And if you need speaking, coaching services about leadership, again, you can find out more at doseofleadership.com. I'm your guy if you need it. So uh, thanks for coming on the sh- or listening to the show. And until the next time, I'll see you then.